So you wanna know? Welcome to the Swana Know Podcast. I'm your host, Annelisa Swana. Join us every week as we explore extraordinary conversations of triumph, resilience, and anything you want to know. Today we have a very special guest with us, the founder and CEO of Gift of the Givers, Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman. Welcome to the Sun and No Podcast. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So, Dr. Suleiman, we are just going to start with some rapid-fire questions. Nothing serious. We just want to get to know you. Firstly, what's your favorite hobby? Soccer. Okay. What's the last book you read and did you enjoy it? Oh, I don't have time to do. I was joking with somebody. The only thing I did is WhatsApps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to read books. I don't know when. I even didn't even read my school books finished. <laughs> but if I read books, it's a lot to do with spiritual books, okay. religious books, and you know, to do with spirituality. Okay. I read okay. a chapter, and then I mean, four months later, I read the same chapter, and then four months later, I read the same <laughs> chapter again. <laughs> Just don't have time to continue with anything. Can understand yeah. that. And what's your favorite food? It's called acne. It's an Indian food. You know, rice and meat, whether chicken or mutton, and you put some yogurt over it, and you have it with pickle. That's the favorite food. Okay. Do you have any pets? Yes. My, well, my daughter's pet becomes my pet yes. because kids don't ever look after the pets, <laughs> and the parents have got to look after the daughter and the pet. <laughs> so there's a cat, yes. There's a cat, okay. And what's your favorite way to relax and unwind after a long day? Action movies. I love action movies. Yeah, but it's quite often it's late at night. And most of the time it's late at night. And quite often the, the movie is just on and I'm not actually watching it. <laughs> it's watching <you. laughs> yeah, it's, My brain is running into overtime. Yeah, so it's that kind of stuff. I don't like comedies and romantic stuff. Okay. And I like action things. Okay. And I like the movies that make you think, how, you know, in terms of investigation sure. and all that make your brain work and you figure out things. So I like movies like that. All right. And if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Well, the only piece of advice I can give myself is what I messed up. And what I messed up is family time, you know, because, and that I didn't listen to the spiritual teacher. Mm. He told me that in what you're doing, you need to give one third to yourself, which I haven't done, one third to the family, which I haven't done, and one third to the organization, but four thirds went to the organization. So, you know, I've lost out lots of time on the family. I've got two wives. Mm. On the wives and my children, my grandchildren, I barely have time to talk to them and it was really an indictment because four days ago my daughter who's a doctor mm. sends her small one to my house because she's going to go on to this uh, work she does some coming for sure. some doctors and then the, the, her mother asked her like what did the domestic do what did granny do what did somebody else do and then she asked what did nana the grandfather do she said on the phone oh, and she's two man. years old so that's, that's the only regret. If I have to go back, I won't change anything except family time. Except family time. So, Dr. Sloan, tell us, what is a normal day in your life? It's very hectic. I, I sleep three hours a day. I work 21 hours a day. It starts off any time at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. We start off with the morning prayer. It's earlier in summer and later in winter because of the sure. sunset yes. and sunrise. And then it's additional prayer because of the spiritual teaching. And then I start with social media posts where I prepare them. I don't actually do them. I don't even know how the thing works, to be honest. <laughs> I, I just send them to my teams and then they put it on 
and, and I connect it to a, what's the event of the week or what's the, you know, the relevant issue or if the, the disaster then of course everything focuses on yeah, the disaster yeah. and then that runs for a week or two weeks depending whether it's Turkey and Syria whether the Northern Cape floods whether it's the floods that you guys had in Kameha mm. or the floods in Komani you know, or the fire last year that you guys had in, in the city it's related to that and then of course it's a school round take the child to school and, and, and come back and then it's responding to all my offices and all the messages that come in and carry on preparing for what has to be done in terms of the office because we've got too many projects. But in most cases, it's, it's more about travel. You know, I'm, sure. I'm never at home. I did 173 talks last year. I've done 101 this year already. And I'm in and out of planes to the point that the guy in business class, in, in business lounge in the airport actually asked me, do you like our place so much that we see you all the time? <laughs> So it's a thing like that, you know. It's like, for example, on, on, I flew from Marisburg on Tuesday to Joburg. Yes. I had a meeting in the morning. I flew to pee in the afternoon. I had an event last night. This morning I was in Jeffreys Bay. Then I was supposed to go to Utenhaig. But because we're running out of time, the guy agreed to meet us here. And then I'm here. Tomorrow I'm in Joburg in the morning. In the evening I'm in Cape Town. And, and then Saturday, Sunday in Cape Town. And the week before, was something similar. Sure. It's like that. It's too many events. And that's excluding... My on-site visits for projects yeah. excludes meetings, you know, or, and, and, and I, mean, I hardly see my stuff except on the field. Mm. And, you know, of course, media interviews and, yes. and that kind of stuff. And then just your, your life. So it's very hectic. But Dr. Silman, how do you keep up with all of this? You know, the, 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 what keeps you going is that you're not on the other side. When sure. you see the suffering of people and you keep t- telling yourself, if my child is on the other side, mm. what will I do? Mm. You can't have a thing of compassion fatigue mm. because you could have been on the other side and people say, I got compassion fatigue. What happens to you? We've seen children, old people, young people, everybody suffer. And, you know, the anxiety, the uncertainty. And when, when you know God has given you a gift and a skill and has given you speed yeah. at how to do things, yeah. it's very hard to sit and do nothing. You know, you, you, and you get a lot of individual messages. My child needs an operation yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Do you have some connection how to get them there? Mm. Sometimes you don't get it sorted out, somebody else do it. Because by the time you get to it, you already somebody else has done it. You know, we've got a flood here, we've got a disaster here. Yeah. Somebody needs a wheelchair there. And it's, 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 it's bombardment all the time. The, the WhatsApps just keep coming in all the time. I don't read emails. I've got four staff reading my emails. Others, I won't do anything. I'm not on social media. Others, I'll only be sitting and reading those things all the time. When I'm on social media, when I say, you know, it's, it's just to check my own Facebook mm. page to make sure it's being done correctly. But I don't engage anybody. Yeah. And, and the phone is not entertainment. It's, it's just serious business. Yeah. All my WhatsApps are serious business. My calls are serious business. There's no leisure, no entertainment, nothing. Yeah, that is, that is hectic. Dr. Dr. Suleiman, a lot of people want you to be South Africa's next president. Because it's everywhere. Wherever I go, there's a few issues with that. Mm. Number one, the spiritual teacher in 95 sure. told me that you will never be in politics. Sure. You will never be in government. You will never work for government, mm. but you'll always work with government. And I can see the logic of that. You know, the kind of deli- people, why do they want me to be? In, because they want to see delivery. Yeah. But the moment you're in the system, they'll see zero delivery. Yeah. You'll be spending too much time fighting with each other and getting nothing done. And it'll destroy everything that we've done. From the outside, yeah. I can dictate the terms. Sure. I don't follow the rules. I break the rules. I do what I want. You know, it's about human yes. service delivery, and nobody stops me. Yes. And I, so I can achieve far more on the outside. The other advantage is when you're inside government, 
oh, you're from this political party, I don't want to work with you. You know, but from the outside, sure. there's no hindrance. Any political party, corporate, true. because there's no agenda. That's very and, uh, true. You know, even the ruling party, you know, knows that I have no issue. And they know the country has said they want me to be president, mm. but I'm really not interested because that's the spiritual instruction and I'm far freer on the outside. Many years ago, I was offered a post, an ambassador post. Yeah. And I told the minister, if I take the post, I work for you. If I don't take the post, you work for me, which is better. You're working for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is much better. Yeah. And of course, you know, when you're not involved in diplomatic service, there's much more leeway. You can do things with less protocol. You can get away with murder, mm. basically. It's far more advantageous to be on the outside. So but it's encouraging on the one side that people, that means people recognize your work. On the second case, it's disheartening to say, you know what, we're not happy with what's happening in the country. And the ruling party needs to change that. That is so true. Dr. Suleiman, you, you do say that you have a lot of engagements that you, that you attend. Do you ever get tired of taking pictures with people? No, I can't. Mm. You know, you know there is, again, there's a problem. People think that only, you know, only uh, uh, high-class people yeah. or rich people or you know, people at the, high, at the expensive table can take a picture with certain kind of people. Mm. And ordinary people think, oh, we're not good yeah. enough, we're not important That's enough. True. And I don't want that ever to happen. And when they come for the picture, it's not so much because, you know, you've got a celebrity status. It's because it's out of love. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you can't turn that away. Yes. And, and in the streets I walk, the car guard stops me, the petrol attendant stops me. When you're eating with your family, people will come out to eating and they'll tell you, you know, we're very sorry, we know it's your family time, but... You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the family takes the picture for the person, you know, to say, you know what, we understand, it's not a problem, take it. And you get small kids, four years old, five years old. They identify wow. you. They want to take a picture. And I said, you know, it's a form of love, and I can't say no. In, now, when I do an event, I got a budget, 40 minutes for the event, and one hour for the pictures. Wow. Yes, you know, because people come, everybody wants a picture. And then the ladies, you know, the hair is not right. <laughs> I've got to put the makeup here. I've got to put the hat right. You know, sorry, my eyes closed. Can we just take it again? And then now, can we take this two of us together? But now we're a bigger group. Can we take three pictures? <laughs> it's that kind of story. But, you know, it's all out of love. And, yeah. you know, and in appreciation of the work that you do, I can't say no. Oh, that's awesome. Please tell us, how was Gift of the Givers found, founded? Well, it's not my organization. Sure. We need to understand that. It has a total spiritual basis. I was told by a South African of a spiritual teacher that he met in America. Mm. That spiritual teacher was comes from Turkey. Okay. That teacher passed away in 1985. I met the guy in 1986, and he knew about the teacher from 1985. And he told me that a new one takes over. Yes. And he said, you need to go to Turkey. And I joked, I said, Bala, it's 1986. I haven't even seen Cape Town yet. When am I going to get to Turkey? And he said something very profound. He said, what God wills happens. There's a time and a place. August 91. My wife and I landed in Turkey in Istanbul. Oh, wow. It's a long story. We met the spiritual teacher. That was the beginning of an incredible journey mm. because it was post-Gulf War. Post-Gulf War had polarized civilization and nations. The perception was Christians, Hindus, and Jews on one side and Muslims on the other side. Mm. And, you know, and East on one side, West on one side. Yes. And coming from an apartheid past didn't help. And we get to this place and we see Americans, Russians, people from Europe, Asia, Africa, South America, North America, all in a Muslim holy place. Jews, Christians, Hindus, Muslims, people who say they don't believe, people of other faiths, all together. No friction, no discord, absolutely calm. 
And I'm saying, if we can have a world like this, yeah. wow, this is the ideal world. I remember coming from my apartheid past, that was my, that was my reality. And the teacher says, we can't judge anyone. Mm. People have good in them. Yes. Always focus on the good. Don't run the negative. Don't criticize people. You know, look at everybody with the same love and respect. That's what religion and yes. spirituality is all about. And immediately, my prejudice, my stereotypes, everything left me. <laughs> and I fell in love with what I saw. The following year, my heart tells me, you need to go back there. So on the 6th of August, 92, Thursday night, 10 p.m., I'm in a spiritual place where we do what is called a zikr. Mm. A zikr in Arabic terms is a celebration of God's names in Arabic. But in English, and <clears throat> all the scriptures, and everybody's got in their scriptures, you will say, God, the one and only, loving, eternal, absolute, kind, compassionate, merciful, nourisher, sustainer, and you know, cherisher, creator of the, creator of the universe, and so it goes. And so they recited that, and then exactly when that finished, the spiritual teacher just put his head up, made eye contact with me. I was on the other side of the room, and he looked heavenwards at the same time. In fluent Turkish. I don't speak a word of Turkish. I understood every single word wow. that he said in Turkish that night. Wow. He said, my son, I'm not asking you. I'm instructing you. It's only the second time I met him. I'm instructing you to form an organization. The name in Arabic will be Wakful Wakifin, translated, Gift of the Givers. You will help all people of all races, all religions, all colors, all classes, all cultures, of any geographical location and of any political affiliation. But you will serve them unconditionally. You will expect nothing in return, not even a thank you. In fact, in what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, I was 30 years old, expect to get a kick up your back. If you don't get a kick up your back, regard it as a bonus. Serve people with love, kindness, compassion, and mercy. And remember the dignity of man is foremost. So if someone is down, don't push them down further. Hold them, elevate them. Wipe the tear of a grieving child. Caress the head of an orphan. Say words of good counsel to a widow. These things are free. They don't cost anything. Clothe the naked, feed the hungry, provide water to the thirsty. And in everything that you do, be the best at what you do. Not because of ego, but because you're dealing with human life, human emotion, human suffering, and human dignity. He repeats, this is an instruction for you for the rest of your life. And remember, my son, that whatever you do is done through you and not by you. 31 years, I'm a living witness that the kind of things the world thinks oh, yeah. that I do is not humanly possible. Mm. I asked him, how come when you speak Turkish I understand and other people speak Turkish I don't understand? I understand. He said, my son, when the hearts connect and the souls connect, the words become understandable. I asked him, what exactly do you want me to do? I'm a doctor. I have three surgeries in a place called Peter Marisburg in South Africa. When do I do this? Like after hours, weekends, public holidays, and what do I do? He told me one line. You will know. For 31 years, I do know. What to do, how to touch, wow. what to touch, what not to touch. In fact, the moment I walked out of that place on the 6th of August, 92, it came to me, respond to the civil war in Bosnia. The same month, I took in 32 containers of eight into a war zone all alone. Eight, in November, I took in eight containers of winter items the chill factor in Eastern Europe in winter can reach minus 21 degrees. 
and the following year in 93, we designed the world's first containerized mobile hospital, a product of South African technology built in Africa and taken into Europe. Mm. But I got my answer. The first project was 32 containers, the second project, eight containers, the third project, a hospital. But it was all disaster related. So in essence, we were going to be a disaster related agency intervening locally and internationally in war zones, earthquakes, hurricanes, flood, famine. The template was set. And whatever happened after that was secondary. The essential thing was disaster intervention. We have 21 different categories of projects, not disasters or excluding disasters, 20 categories excluding disasters. And we do everything. Wheelchair distribution, mm. winter warmth, you know, bee rehabilitation, fodder for animals, infrastructure of schools, hospitals, counseling services, you know, boreholes, lots of different things that we do. And but primary focus is disaster intervention. Oh wow. Was it easy for you to to live your life as a as a as a, as a doctor? Leave it and concentrate on, on the core? Well, I didn't know how Big this was going to be. Sure. Right? So then I, I closed my practice. I went up and down when disasters required me. And then by June 94, because I was involved in Bosnia for three years, my wife said, you know what? This is not working. Mm. Your patients don't want to see the locum. We're paying for the locum, but they're not coming. And they don't want to go see any other doctor. And the kids are getting sick. This is not going to work. Some going to get, we're probably going to die in the process. We have to make up your mind. Either you're running a surgery or you're running the gift of the givers. And I said, there's no, it's not a complicated decision because the teacher said, it's an instruction for you yeah. for the rest of your life. And of course, I touched many more lives in gifts of the givers than as an individual seeing 30 patients a day. And she said, okay. He took a two-minute decision and shut all three of my practices one go on 30th June of 1994. Yeah. And, and in the process, every time I met the teacher, I went to Turkey 28 times. Every time I met the teacher, he said, it will get bigger. He said, a lot of things that I'm telling you now, you won't understand mm. now. You'll understand it much later in life, which happened. You know? And when he said big, big, it's only during the time of COVID and a year or two before that, yeah. I understood what he's talking about mm. now. This thing has gone just out of control. Mm. It's just so big. You know? And it just keeps growing with every single day. But I have no regrets giving up my practice. Because the amount of skills... Well, he said, you will know. It's not something I have to yeah. learn. It just comes to me. You know, it's, I'm, it's hard for me to explain that. I just know what to do. Yeah. But the experience, the joy, you know, the fulfillment, the contentment, it's, 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 you know, I will never replace it for anything else in the world. As I said, if I start again, the only thing I will add in was the family, the time, family time, which I'm trying to start off a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. That is so awesome. Uh, my last question. I know that apart from the short-term assistance that you give at Gift of the Givers, you are cons- continuously searching for long-term, long-term solutions. I just want to know how do you manage to do all this work? It's very spiritual again, very mm. difficult to understand. You know, and everything comes to you. You go, you do. I mean, did in 15 years ago, could we plan we're going to have COVID? You can't have a long-term planning, right? What's important in our kind of work is how you respond to what's put in front of you. Sure. So, okay, this is COVID. What does this mm. virus do? It takes away oxygen. So what do you need? You need oxygen. 
But this means there's going to be more patients in hospital, which means we need more beds. You need more oxygen points. You're going to need more water. You're going to need more bulk oxygen supplies. You're going to need more staff. The staff are going to get sick. They're probably going to die. Yeah. You know, So you need backup staff. Then you're going to need counseling services because the staff and the family members are affected. The porter is going to die. You're going to need more people to carry the patient on the, on, on, on the trolley. You're going to need more trolleys, more ambulance drivers. You may have to expand hospitals. You may need to modify it. You may need to upgrade infrastructure. You may need more water. You know, you need dedicated oxygen units in hospitals. But then now the government's not going to manage. Private, it's too expensive. So we need to put up testing teams. How many testing teams are you going to put? Are they going to come to you or are you going to be mobile? You know, what's going to be the cheapest price? What equipment are you going to use? How fast? Which different types mm. of tests? You look at all that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, how do you talk to somebody in ICU? You can't go in. The patient dies alone. You need a TV system, you know, some kind of... Sure. We didn't do all the stuff. But we supported a, yes. a lot of that stuff because, uh, and okay, they need PPEs, they need scrubs, they need uh, sanitizer. And when we looked at that, we say, okay, that's from the medical point mm-hmm. of view. But there's lockdown. So what happens to people? They're hungry. So you're going to expand the food parcel and the soup kitchen. Now you bring in the people who know the yes. people. You go into some rural area, you know, and say, okay, mother, well, we're coming to you. Lady, okay, Tandy, you've been doing feeding how long? I feed 30 people a day, but now, Dr. Suleiman, it's 300 people a day. So I can't manage. Mm. Okay, you need more pots? Yes, I need more raw materials. I'll do the cooking. But I need more fuel for the fire. I need more raw materials. I have so many kids that come. The schools are closed. There's no school feeding program. So we need to feed more kids. I'm going to need more vehicles to do more deliveries. That's on the food side and on the medical side. Delivering oxygen machines. So you look at all that and say, okay, what do you do? And by God's grace, a transport company will say, a car company will say, you can take eight vehicles from mm. us. While COVID is on, you can use it, no charge. You know. And God put the things in front of us. Everything just came. Food came, money came, and, and, and South Africans volunteered to help each other. Okay, your mother's got COVID, means she can't cook. We'll cook the food and take it to your house. And that happened throughout the country. It's yes. the spirit of our nation. Yes. And that's why I tell people, stop worrying about failed state. There is no failed state. Mm. It's only a failed state of mind. You know what? We've got the greatest country on earth. We've got people who care for each other. We will fix anything. When you have resilience, when you have care, when you have spirituality, when you have faith, when you have love and support for each other, there's no problem we can't fix. You know? And we will fix this country. It won't take more than three years, to be honest. You know, so... Yes, so those are the kind of things come yes. and you plan what to do and how to do it. So there's no long-term planning. But then when COVID sort of died out, what happened? Now we've got a backlog of surgery mm. because all the elective surgery was closed. Now you've got 4,000 cataracts here, 2,000 cataracts here, orthopedic surgery backlog here, hernia backlog there, you know, tonsillectomy there, adenoids removal there, grommets to be put in there, gynae procedures. Now you've got a new challenge. Mm. You need to start dealing with all that. And we got involved with catch-up surgery. And then the water crisis came, so you need balls in hospitals and in schools. Then load shedding came, so now the ball can't pump because there's no electricity to pump the borehole. So then you need additional Jojo tanks in, or African tanks in river in reserve to push out more water when the electricity comes back. And then, or can you put solar panels? But then solar panels get stolen, so you need security for the solar panels. So those are the kind it's, of things on an everyday basis you've got to look at. Yes, but, it's just ongoing. But... but it happens. Yes. It's possible. Yes. You can do it and people benefit. Yes. Dr. Suleiman, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for the wonderful, amazing work that Gift of the Givers does. That is where we ended off with you today. Thank you very, very much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks a lot for the invite. 
And thanks for all the support that your media has been giving us during COVID, before and after. We appreciate it. Thank you for taking the message to the people. You know, and, and we like the media when, you know, when they show there's flaws in the system. And it shows you where you need to intervene yes. and what you have to do. But my one message to the media is that, you know, when good is being done, you need to show that you don't, we, we mustn't keep saying government is corrupt because government is not corrupt. There are people inside government that's corrupt. Everybody is not corrupt. And we destroy the soul of those who do the good work, you know, and want to do the right things. When you keep telling them, you bad, you bad, you bad, they will eventually just lose all hope. So a message to all of South Africa, let's promote the good, even in people who appear to be bad, because the spiritual teaching says, look for the good in every soul. And we emphasize that eventually good will conquer and the universe will be filled with goodness and positivity and we will fix everything around us. Thank you so, so much. That's all we have for you today. Join us again next week on Swananong. Stay motivated, stay inspired. Bye.